Challenge round, Billy. Come on, Billy, you gotta be messing with me. <laughs> no, doctor. Feels so good, Chuck Mangione, 1977. Honestly, Billy, you said this one would be hard. Ha! It's 1978. No, Billy, while well, Feels So Good may have charted in 1978, the album was released in December of 1977. No, Wikipedia says it's a Check 19... again. Where do you store all this useless information? Useless? The man charted a top 10 hit with a fuglehorn. Status, Billy? 1977. Oh, please. I hate you. Boom! Feels so good, doesn't it? Hey there, welcome to MCU Complete Me. The show where we talk about all the Marvel movies and we decide how good they are on the scale of negative 0.3333 to 4.3333. I'm your host, Crystal, and with me is Luke. You had me at hey. Luke. Yeah. Before we get started, I have one very important question for you. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? What's up? Oh, uh, not not too much. I'm not sick anymore, so that's great. But now you're sick, so that's bad. Yeah, I need a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, do you now? Yeah, I need a doctor for for my disease. Yeah, yeah, because we were going to do this the other day, but you had strep throat. Uh-huh. And then we were going to do it yesterday, but you didn't reply to me at all, all night. I assume because you fell into a sleep sickness. Yeah, something like that. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It happens. Uh, Yeah, they, they put out a new Smashing Brothers, which that's good. I'm happy that that happened. I played it. I have also played it. How is it? It's pretty good. You can be you can be Solid Snake right in it. Well, you can be Snake. I guess that's true. They specifically do not specify that it's Solid Snake. You are an um, you are an amalgam of yes. the Snake or uh, stock character. I I agree completely. Which bums me out that there's not a costume that gives him an eye patch. It bums me out that they didn't get Kiefer Sutherland to record Codex. <laughs> oh man. Uh. They have the old codex in there. Yeah, they got the old codex, which explicitly referred to being in Smash Brothers Brawl, which, like, all right, I guess, I get it, whatever. I guess, you know, they gotta do all, they, they basically have codex calls, but it's Kid Icarus now, and, like, who cares? I like Kid Icarus. Okay, well, I guess that answers the question, who cares? I had a discussion the other day about how the way Palutena talks about the Zelda characters yeah. interacts with the lore established in the Historia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she explicitly refers to there being, like, multiple links and multiple timelines and stuff. Or she contradicts herself regarding the relationship between Ganondorf and Ganon. Yeah, based on, like, if, yeah, it kind of goes back and forth across a few different ones. Which, you know, whatever. This is not a video game podcast. Oh, it's a movie podcast. Yeah, come on. We, we're not here to talk about nerd shit. Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, Doctor Strange. The Wicked Good Wizard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, is, is that what they call him in the in the comic books? Yeah, they call him the Wicked Good Wizard. Jack okay. Kirby made that up. The problem is that I cannot tell if you're joking, <laughs> because comics are dumb, and that could be possible. You think you don't? You think I'm lying about Jack Kirby calling his beloved creation Doctor Strange the Wicked Good Wizard? I, that's the thing. I can't tell if you're lying. You have a you have a, a mischievous tone in your voice that makes me think that maybe you are. But also, if I Google Doctor Strange and I came up with the Wicked Good Wizard, I, I wouldn't be that surprised. Well, first of all, Jack Kirby did not create Doctor Strange. Okay, well. <laughs> that- 
Okay. It's created by Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. All right, okay. And he was never called the Wicked Good Wizard. Okay. Until today. Until I made it up just now. Yeah. He is Sorcerer Supreme, Master right. of the Mystic Arts, Captain Universe, Steven Sanders, Vincent Stevens, and of course, Dr. Stephen Vincent Strange. Okay, okay. Those are all those are all titles and names. I know nothing about Doctor Strange from the comics at all. Have you never encountered Doctor Strange before this film? Um, I there was one comic I've read at some point where they like called Doctor Strange in to look at some kind of magical malady that someone else was suffering from. I don't remember what comic it was or like anything beyond. It was just like him doing like a spell on some guy. I mean, like, oh yeah, he's he's got a real bad curse going on. That's a problem. Anyway, you guys should fix it. And that was kind of the extent of his involvement. So what is your history with this film? Um, my history with this film is when it came out two years ago, a friend asked me if I wanted to go see it with, with him, and I said, no, I hate Marvel movies, and I didn't go see it, and didn't really think about it again until this week when I had to watch it for this podcast. Yeah? Yeah. What did you think about it? I c- kind of liked it. Yeah? Didn't love it, kind of liked it. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a solid one of these. Yeah, it's, it's pretty okay. There are parts of this movie that I really, really like. There's parts that are, I'm like, well, you could have done this better, and it would have made the parts that I like pop more. But there's a few parts of this movie where I'm like, wait a second, wait a second, is this a good movie? And then an- the next scene happens, like, oh, it's not a good movie. It's an okay movie, though. This is actually one of the best-reviewed films in the MCU. It has, like, a an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's also one of the ones people talk the most shit about. Yeah, it definitely... It feels like one where everyone just seems to say, like, oh, geez, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. They're a Doctor Strange. No one gives a shit. Go away. And I, I don't know. It's fine. It's okay. Now, we should talk about the racism of Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I'm not familiar with the comics. You might be better equipped to to cover that. I know a little bit about it, but yeah, go ahead. Well, the, the main concept of the origin story of Doctor Strange is that he was he was a, a doctor. He was a sur- neurosurgeon. Right. He's kind of a dick. Yeah, then yeah. He got in a car accident and it uh, messed up his hands so he couldn't do surgery anymore. Sure. And then he searches the globe for a way to fix his hands. And after modern medicine fails him, he goes to the mystical East to learn Asian magic. Yes. And he becomes the student of the Ancient One. Right. And becomes the best wizard. Yeah. Yeah. It's not... The Ancient One who is traditionally a Tibetan man, but this movie played by Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and... Like, trying to reach my memory back to, like, the discourse around this movie at the time, I feel like, you know, where a lot of people kind of came down was, in, like, some people were trying to defend the Tilda Swinton thing because it's like, my understanding is the Ancient One has traditionally been kind of a stereotypical caricature in the comics, and it's like, well, at least it's not that, but, like, I don't think this is better. No, I don't think it's better. No, no. Probably should have just gotten gotten an actor of the right ethnicity and then, like, had a respectful portrayal. One of the people who worked on the movie had, like, an interview where he explained it in great detail. The thought oh, process really? of this casting decision was like, well, we can't cast a Tibetan person because we're trying to release this film in China. Oh, okay. Well, fuck off then. <laughs> yeah. Eat all of my shit. And we, we can't cast, like... Uh, a- another Asian person, because I guess that would be racist. 
I'm gonna poop in a box and put a spoon in it and then mail it to this guy. Then he pivoted like, well, we decided to land on the side of feminism. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. By casting a white woman. I'm... Mm. Oh, boy. <laughs> this sucks. This all sucks a lot, Crystal. Yeah, no, it's not good. And this was, like, just a few months before uh, Iron Fist. So it was, like, a, a good one-two punch uh, yeah. for Marvel being bad about Asian representation. Yeah. Because that's another... St- it, that's also a story about a rich white guy getting superpowers from the mystical East. Uh-huh. Maybe maybe retire that origin story. You know, maybe maybe give us... Is there an Ultimate Doctor Strange? What's his deal? I don't know much about Ultimate Doctor Strange. Let me Let's look him up. up. I mean, also, Iron Man is kind of that, also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. As a college student, Stephen was approached by Wong. He took him on as a student. Yeah, okay. He does not hold a medical degree or a doctorate. He's just like a celebrity doctor. Oh, I see. He's kind of like a Dr. Oz type. Yeah, he's supposed to be, like, not very, actually even good at magic. Okay, okay. That's Ultimate Doctor Strange. All right. I guess... I guess that's a little better. It's not great, still. We're here talking about the Strange of Earth 199999, played by English actor Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, that's that's the numbering for this universe. Uh-huh. We are Earth 1218. Okay, okay. And I know the, the mainline one is 616. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess, uh... I guess let's just get into it now that now that like my positive feelings about this movie have been completely snuffed out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, li- listen, I have nothing. <laughs> I got Great. nothing for you. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's get into it. I guess. Yeah, we open on some wind chimes. They're beautiful. Yeah, we're in Kathmandu. Yeah, and it's like a dark night, a spooky night in some kind of like temple, I guess. Yeah, and uh, some some mysterious hooded figures are here to steal book. Yeah, they kind of like creep on up into some building where there's a bunch of books chained up in like a weird metal honeycomb. Yeah, Dumbledore's army confronts Dolores Umbridge, the librarian. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they they tear off his limbs very gruesomely. Uh, they look, it does look like that's what they're gonna do, because they, like, have, like, energy whips that they wrap around each of his limbs. And I thought, yeah, they were just gonna pull him apart, they were gonna, like, draw and quarter him, but no, they just cut his head off into a bowl that they, I guess, brought specifically for this purpose. (laughs) This all seems really unnecessary. Yeah! I mean, like, if you're gonna kill him, you could do a little more quickly, and and perhaps with less pain. Also, maybe he should be screaming for help. I mean, he is... Yeah! He's screaming. I, I'm watching it on mute. I guess in my memory he was just kind of like gasping in pain, but yeah. Then Mads Mikkelsen comes and steals the last copy of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> yep, that is what he does. And he rips out a page that has a special magic spell with yeah. Guardian Leviosa. Right. And throws the rest aside because he doesn't need the context. Chris, how do you feel about Harry Potter? It's not good. No, it doesn't seem like it is. Especially that new one seems real bad. But it was also kind of cool when there was like, oh, everyone in the world is reading this book. Yeah, yeah. I got into Harry Potter when the fourth one came out, and I read all four of them. And that was, in my mind at least, that was kind of the height of the Harry Potter craze. And then the fifth one came out, and like, I read it, but I didn't really care that much. And then I stopped bothering to read them after that. 
I don't I don't really know how it ends. Like I have a basic idea, but yeah. He kills Voldemort. Right, I assumed that much. <laughs> just kills him. Yeah. But uh yeah, like, anyway. They didn't even do like an ang thing. He just fucking I'm going to use the kill spell on you to kill you. Wait, is he literally do the like the the abracadabra kill spell? Yeah. Oh wow, that's bad. Well, don't worry about it. That's really Man. Then he, he names his son Albus Severus Potter. Yeah, I knew that part. After Severus Snape, the bravest man he ever knew. Yeah, uh-huh. Not even, not even like, you know, this guy was complicated. I have a lot of mixed feelings about him. Right. Just he was the bravest man I ever knew. I mean, that's not a good, like, bad people can be brave too is the thing. Right. Voldemort seems like a pretty brave guy. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh... So they go out to a portal to London Town where they're chased by another mysterious hooded figure. Right, this one's got a yellow hood, though. And yeah, they just, like, now all of a sudden they're in the middle of London in the day, and it's just this, like, army of LARPers, like, sprinting through the middle of London. But no one one seems to be reacting to them. Right, and all of a sudden they just come face-to-face with this weird, kind of, like, fractally mirror wall... And the, the hooded figure that was chasing them kind of waves their arms around and everything just sort of, like, uh, ripples. And then the whole, like, block starts to, like, bend in on itself. And the, I like how this looks a lot. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of how the mirror dimension looks in this movie. I feel like they maybe could have a little more variety in their magic tricks. Yeah, I I think that's fair. Um, I'm just saying, yeah, like, when this action scene started and they're fighting on, like, the side of a building that is, like, twisting in on itself like a hypercube, I was like, oh, oh, I like how this looks. Yeah, it's a cool visual effect. Yeah. So they start having the Kingdom Hearts 2 fight, the the Kingdom Hearts 1 secret ending fight Uh uh on the side of this fractal building, and they're fighting with magic whips and, like, magic fans. Yeah, yeah. But then, while uh, our mysterious hero is, like, fighting off a bunch of henchmen, uh, a few of the henchmen and Mads Mikkelsen get away through a magic portal. And she's like, aw, damn. And she makes another magic portal back to the real, real world where people can see her now. Yeah. It's it's very Bayonetta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a little strange opening. Yeah. And I-, I will say, one thing about this movie that's gonna come up more later, but it starts here. The, like, motions they have to do for the portal spell just look real silly when they have to do them, like, under duress. Like, the thing where you hold up two fingers on one hand, and on the other hand, you, like, spin your arm around to open up the portal. When it's like, oh, man, there's this action sequence, and it just looks like I'm trying to rotate the joystick really fast in the in air to open up this portal. It always looks kind of goofy. It should. Yeah. I think your magic should look goofy. Okay, that's fair. Um, but yeah, so she's she's back in the real world. Some lady gives her a weird look. Uh, this is the ancient one, by the way. We'll find that out later, I guess. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then smash cut to a man washing his hands. Yeah, the first thing we see of Doctor Strange is a close-up of his hands. Yeah. And uh, he is prepping for brain surgery. And pretty much right away, I fucking hate this man. Oh, why is that, Luke? Because he is doing brain surgery on, like, a a man whose head has been sawed open, but he's tapping his toe along to, like, the iPod that's playing, and he's, like, doing a fun music trivia game with one of his assistants in a way that's like, eat shit, take this seriously. Well, he's very good at it, Luke. Yeah, I know. And, like, listen, this is not me criticizing the movie, because you're absolutely supposed to hate him at the start. I'm just saying they did a good job at that, because, wow, fuck this dude. I feel like people really intensely hate Doctor Strange in a way that that they didn't hate, like, say, Anthony Stark. 
yeah. Um, I think that. Uh, I think if you look at them side by side, they're definitely comparable. I think no, that it's, it's the exact same arc. Oh, oh, one hundred percent. It's the same arc. I, I agree with you. I'm just saying, like personality wise, like looking at it, like yeah, they're they're both shitheads in the same way. I do think that Benedict Cumberbatch just comes off as a lot more hateable. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, Tony was like entertainingly an asshole. Yeah, he's whereas, got, he's an asshole, but he's charming about it. Whereas this guy just is the smartest man in the room, and he knows it, and he's gonna make sure that you also know it at every moment. And he thinks he's entertaining, but he's not. Yeah, there's a line later on that I love where he's like, "People, most people think I'm funny," and the guy's just like, "Yeah, your employees think you're funny because they have to." But all in all, being like a really good brain surgeon who's kind of an asshole is a good step above being a war profiteer. Yeah, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, for sure, yes. But uh, yeah, he he does the brain surgery good, and he gets out. And um, what is what is his love interest name? Christine Palmer. Christine Palmer, and is she a nurse here or another surgeon? I couldn't. She's she's a physician. Okay, yeah, because they talk about how they work together developing some kind of surgery technique, but every time we see her, it seems a lot like she's doing more like nurseish roles. I guess no, she's helping with this surgery. Never mind, I'm dumb. But yeah, she runs to him and says they have a uh, brain injury victim who has been shot in the head. Well, no, she shows him the X-rays. He's like, oh, there's the problem. There's a bullet in his head because he's a dick. And uh, he's already been declared brain dead, and they're about to start, like, harvesting his organs. But Strange is like, no, don't be dumb. He's still alive. I can save him. And he he dunks a lot on this doctor that declared him dead. Well, he's about to kill a man. I guess that is true. Um, They say something about, like, the bullet was lined with some kind of chemical that was causing it to, like, poison him, and that's what was killing him, actually. Right, know. it was like in such a way that you could, you could, a doctor could reasonably surmise that he was brain dead. Right. But actually, yeah. He is still savable if you're a super genius like Doctor Strange. Yeah, so they prep him for surgery and they're like trying to set up some kind of like, I don't know, camera or robotics thing or something. And Strange is like, we don't have any time. I got to do it by hand. And they're like, no, no, no. But he does it anyway. Because he's very good at surgery. He right. He can freehand it. He can freehand it. Uh, he, like, is almost in there, and then he, like, uh, snips at uh, the bad surgeon to cover up his watch because the ticking is distracting him. And even, like, uh, Christine, after the fact, is like, that was kind of a dick move. Uh, but, yeah, he gets the bullet out of this guy and saves him. Super doctor. Yeah, he is a super doctor. Yeah, so, like you said, he's an asshole, but he is, like, helping people in a way that Tony Stark never did before. So, you know, on, yeah, on, on the tier list, he's probably above Tony. So, uh, after after they do the surgery and save the man, Christy and Steven have a bit of a conversation. Christy's like, you know, you don't have to embarrass that other doctor for the everyone. Right. Steven's like, I didn't have to save his patient either. You know, sometimes I just can't help myself. Yeah, and they, they kind of have a back and forth. We we kind of pick up from, you know, just kind of uh, inferences that they used to date, uh, but don't anymore. Um, that Christine says, like, you know, you, you could be my neurosurgeon on call. And Stephen's like, no, I'm busy doing stuff that pays better. Right, yeah, because she works in, like, the emergency room, and she's trying to convince him to become an emergency room surgeon. And he's like, man, I don't want to help people. I'd rather help people in a way that makes me more money. I'm fusing transected spinal cords. I'm stimulating neurogenesis in the central nervous system. 
I'm not saving drunk idiots with guns. Yeah. And, like, you know, if you're giving him the benefit of the doubt, which the movie doesn't want you to, his argument is that, like, the research and stuff that he does saves more lives than he could, like, working at an ER for 12 hours a day or whatever. Which, eh, but yeah. <laughs> um, he invites her to come to a talk he's giving, and she's like, no, I don't want to do that. And he's taken aback that someone doesn't want to bask in his glory. Seems like you used to go to these things and we had fun together. She's right. no, you had fun. Yeah. It wasn't about us, it was about you. Yeah. That's that's one thing I'm liking about this movie a lot compared to Iron Man is they are willing to have multiple characters tell this guy, hey, you're an asshole and should stop being that. So Stephen Strange starts driving to his dinner very fast on a very windy highway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. very fast on a windy highway, and then is, like, on speakerphone with somebody who's, like, giving him potential patience, and, uh, like, first he suggests, oh, well, here's this military colonel that, like, his spine got damaged in metal armor or whatever, and do you get it? It's it's War Machine. Now, I think Rhodey's a little older than 35. Hmm, yeah. But yes, that's probably Rhodey. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's Rhodey. And he tells him, like, no, someone else can help him. Not interested. Too easy. So then he gives him a hard one, and he says, well, okay, listen, I can't do that one, because I'll probably mess it up and hurt my reputation, because that's too hard. Give me, give me one that's hard enough that I'll look really cool when I do it right. Yeah, I want a good KD. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which in his case means a very, like, low number, I guess. A, a good... Anti-D over D. (laughs) Uh, But he starts looking at, like, medical charts that he got sent on a little screen and just crashes his car like a dipshit. Yeah, this is pretty much entirely on him. It's 100% on him. He, like, slams into another guy on the road and then bounces off of him and goes off a cliff. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Stephen Strange, not, you know, not a very sympathetic character so far. Uh, I I was expecting there to be something a little more to this accident, but no, it's just he's going a million miles an hour on the windy highway while looking at his tablet and not the road. I'm sure eventually they'll reveal that the driver of that other car was actually like a scroll or something and ran him off the road. You think so? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. You know, it's going to be like a Jason Statham at the end of uh, Fast and Furious 6 situation. You think so? Eh. Probably not, but also it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. You think so? <laughs> All right, let's just move on. Uh, he wakes up uh, from the accident, and uh, his like hands are just mutilated. We get like a POV shot of him going into surgery, and he finally like wakes up, and he's just got a ton of pins in his hands, and he's immediately just mad that whoever did surgery on him did a bad job. He's like, look at these fixators. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even take a moment to be happy that he's alive. He's just mad that someone other than him did something. Christine says, no one could have done better. And Steven says, I could have done better. Yeah. Again, the man is laying in bed, horribly maimed after a car accident, and somehow manages to keep from being sympathetic. Oh, he's such a prick. But, yeah, so he gets the bandages taken off, and it turns out that as a result of the nerve damage he suffered, his hands just are constantly shaky now. We go through a montage of him, like, you know, how long is it going to be till I can get better? And trying all sorts of experimental and expensive procedures. Right. You know, he he's coming up with crazy ideas to make other doctors try on him. Um, 
at some point in this montage, we're also seeing, like, in every scene, his beard's a little thicker. And we get just a scene of him, like, holding, like, covered in lather, holding the razor about to shave, but, like, his hand is shaking too much, and he just sets the razor down. He can't shave anymore, Crystal. Yeah, he'll cut himself. Yeah. Then there's a scene where he's doing physical therapy. Yeah. (laughs) And the physical therapist is, you know, trying to guide him. And he's like, ah, it's useless. And he is so mean to this therapist that's trying to help him. Answer me this, bachelor's degree. You ever known anyone with nerve damage this bad who's actually recovered? Right, and the guy says, well, one, fuck you. Two, yes. I know of one guy who definitely did. And he's like, I'm so mad at you, I'm going to break the law by giving you his file? Yeah, I guess that's true, huh? That's that's extremely illegal. You can't just do that. I I didn't think about that while watching the movie, but yeah, you definitely can't do that. There's definitely, what is that, HIPAA? Yeah, there's HIPAA laws against just giving medical information to strangers. They explained there was a guy who, he broke his back, he's paralyzed, his legs wasted away. Yeah. Came in three times a week, but then one day he stopped coming. A few yeah. years later, he walked past me on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, he, like, Strange does not believe him. And the guy's just like, you know what? It's going to take a lot of hard work to find that file, but I hate you so much that I'm going to, to put the time in. Uh, we get a bit with, like, Steven using his window surface uh, to discuss a new procedure idea he has with some other doctor via Skype, a great messaging service from Microsoft. Skype sucks. Bill Gates, do better. Yeah, Skype's... Listen, okay, you know what? I think Skype is the best uh, VoIP program on the market. That's not praise of Skype. That's just nothing's good. It all sucks. So Steven's having a conversation with their doctor. He's like, listen, man, I can't do this. This is impossible. I'm sorry. Yeah. And Steven gets mad just as Christine is coming in. Right. He, like, throws his Microsoft Surface tablet on the ground, um, which hopefully he bought a great warranty deal from Microsoft. You know, you can get a great warranty at the Microsoft store. And it's alluded to that Steven's now basically out of money, and now he's starting to, to borrow money to spend on these very expensive procedures. Christine's like, maybe... You, you should stop. Yeah, I mean, we've seen he's extremely rich. He's driving a sports car. He's in a fancy apartment. Earlier on, when he was getting dressed to go to that event, he had, like, a huge drawer full of expensive watches. Uh, but yeah, so Christine tries to convince him, like, hey, maybe stop destroying yourself to fix your hands. It seems like it's maybe just not going to happen, and you need to learn to move on from it. He's like, you know, I, I know you're very invested in being a surgeon, but there are other things you can do. Because you're, you know, you're a very talented man. Yeah. And other things can give your life meaning. He's like, like what? Like you? Yeah, he like explodes at her and like accuses her of pitying him because that's the only reason someone would help him. He doesn't need anyone's pity. He doesn't need anybody. He's gonna fix his hands. You'll see, you'll all see. And uh, she has finally had enough of his shit and just leaves. Poor Christine. Yeah, right? Christine's trying here. Yeah, she She's really, really trying is. to be a good friend here. Has no obligation to. Like, they're they're work friends. And she has work friends that, like, tried to date and it didn't work out. And she's like, well, you're going through a hard time, so I'm going to take time out of my day to help you out and give you emotional support. And you're going to just be the biggest fucking asshole to me. Uh, I think at this point he looks at the file that he got from the therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, uh point of order about those yeah. those trophies and watches you mentioned uh, oh, yeah, it establishes yeah. a timeline because one of those trophies was uh from 2016 Ooh, so okay. this movie starts 
so this movie begins uh, not too long after the Civil War and ends not too long before the Ragnarok. Okay, yeah, like I said, that, that makes sense since he was going to operate on Rhodey, but didn't. Um, but yeah, so he looks at this file and he's kind of mesmerized by it. So he goes to a basketball court where he knows this man will be, I guess. Don't worry about it. Whatever. He can say he used to play basketball at this place. Right. Yeah. Maybe he also got, uh, you know, this guy's address and phone number from the therapist since he's giving him all of his information. Yeah. And that, as Steven goes to his window to press his face against the rainy glass, you see him step over a piece of paper where he's practicing writing his name. You can yeah, see that yeah. even, you know, months into this, he's not making a ton of progress with the physical therapy. Right. Little to no progress. Uh, so yeah, he goes to the basketball court to talk to this guy, and uh, it turns out that this guy actually wanted to be operated on by Steven, and he was turned down, kind of like those guys in the car were. And mm. Steven just told him, like, well, yeah, because you couldn't be cured, so yeah, no. Uh, I'd given up on my body. I thought my mind was the only thing I had left. Yeah. I should at least try to elevate that. So I sat with gurus and sacred women. Strangers carried me to mountaintops to see holy men, and finally I found my teacher, and my mind was elevated, and my spirit deepened, and somehow my body healed. And there were deeper secrets to learn then, but I did not have the strength to receive them. I chose to settle for my miracle, and I came back home. The place you're looking for is called Kamartage, but the cost is high. Right, and Stephen's like, oh, how much are we talking? He's like, not money. You'll see. Now... I know that this couldn't be the right answer because then the movie wouldn't happen. But in my heart, I wanted so much for this to just be a bullshit story this guy made up to make this doctor he hates go halfway around the world for nothing. Oh, that'd be a very fun thing to do. <laughs> right? Why didn't he just tell him, like, it's in uh, Brazil? It's in the middle of the Sahara Desert, the exact geographical center. If you go there and pour all your water on the ground, then suddenly you'll be healed. It totally works, bro. Go try it. Uh, but no, he, he tells them, let me ask you, is Pangborn a comics character? Because his name is kind of weird in a way that makes me wonder if he's, like, significant. Um, I, I don't think so. Okay. Fair enough. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, so Steven hops on a plane to, uh, Katmandu. And yet he's just kind of, I love that Steven's strategy here is to just walk around the city streets and just talk to random people and say, hey, have you heard of Kamertosh? Kamertosh? Anyone? Anyone? Do you know where that is? And unsurprisingly, it's not working too good. Yeah, he's having trouble finding Kamertosh. And he finds himself in some sort of, you know, poorly lit alleyway. Yeah. Except that some mysterious hooded figure has heard him asking about Kamertaj. Uh But yeah, he goes down this alleyway and he gets kind of approached by three guys who are mugging him. And they want his watch. And he's like, please, no, it's the, it's the only thing I have left. Uh, so they start beating the shit out of him. But then that mysterious hooded figure appears and beats them all up real good. The Baron, Mordo. And he gives him his watch back. And you can see at this point, like, Steven's hands are, are very shaky as he, he, like, struggles to even accept the watch. Yeah. Which yeah. is now all smashed up, just like his hands. Right. See, because Crystal Time is going to be a theme in this film. And yeah, it's, it's and also, like, uh, disability. Y yeah. Yeah, a bit. A little smidge. A smidge. It's, it's, it's in a, there. A little, a little sprinkle, a pinch of paprika. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. 
But, uh, yeah, Mordo introduces himself and tells him that he can take him to Karmartage. And uh, they pass, like, a, you know, kind of temple area. And he's like, hey, hey, isn't that Karmartage over there? Why are you going to that shitty little wooden door? Seems to be like the big old temple is the place we should be going. And Mordo's just like, hey, you're a dumb shit. Shut up. Yeah, forget everything you think you know. And shit your right. mouth and be respectful. Yeah. I like that uh, Karmartage is just like in the middle of a city and not like right. a, a monastery in the mountains or anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they go in to this door and it's just kind of a small, you know, area. They walk into this room with like a bunch of incest, in, incense, wowzers. They go into this room with a bunch of incest burning. Um, and uh, there's kind of a regal looking man reading a book at a table. And, uh, Steven just keeps trying to, like, talk to him. It's like, oh, Ancient One, thank you for agreeing to see me. But he keeps getting interrupted by, uh, like, servants taking his coat and, like, pouring him tea. And, uh, finally, as he's, like, finally saying thank you for seeing me, the guy just leaves. And it turns out, oh, the woman serving him is the real Ancient One, Crystal. This white lady. Right. The guy who looked like the Ancient One was not actually the Ancient One. Right. It was this lady. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> and she she says, you know, I know you've undergone many procedures to heal your hands. Yeah. Not, how does she know that? Well, because she's got, like, mystical, you know, she's got the second sight. She, she can, like, see okay. the future and shit. Like, yeah, she's she knows that kind of thing. Um, but he's asking her, like, medical questions about, uh, you know, this the guy's shattered spine. And kind of right away, he's pulled in because she is not... She's keeping up with, like, the medical jargon that he's saying. Right, she understands medicine. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's like, you know, I, I just convinced him that he could walk. Right. And uh, he... she Yeah, and he says, like, well, no, I mean, you can't... A, a, a broken back isn't, like, psychosomatic, and she explains that cells know how the body's put together, basically, and, like, she can do things to kind of make them form the way they ought to or whatever. And uh, he asks her, like, wow, that, that, that's incredible. How, how did you reprogram human cells to, like, do that? And she's like, oh, I didn't. I, like, you I use soul magic. And he's like, what? That's not... Wh- huh? And, uh... And she shows him a picture. Yeah. She shows him, like, a diagram of, like, a person's chakras, and then, like, something else, and then also an MRI of uh, a human being. And he's just like, oh, man. Oh, dang it. This is just a bunch of dumb New Age bullshit. I spent my last dollar getting here. One-way ticket. Yeah. Uh, and she explains, that, like, all of these different ideas are pieces of a whole understanding of, like, the, the human body or whatever. And, uh... He is just kind of, like, not even listening to her. He's just mad at himself for getting suckered into this. And, you know, she just keeps trying to be like, Hey, dumbass, I've got magic. You saw a man get magically healed. I mean, you didn't see him get healed, but you've seen a man that you think shouldn't be able to walk, walk. Um, But he goes full on Reddit atheist on her. There is no such thing as spirit. We are made of matter and nothing more. Yeah. Just another tiny, momentary speck within an indifferent universe. You think too little of yourself, Crystal. You think you see through me, do you? Well, you don't. But I see through you. Yeah. Again, just full on. He's got the beard already. He just needs a fedora. And then she punches his soul out of his body. She punches him so hard, his soul goes right out of his body. The soul punch is very good. Yeah, it's, it's a good shot. Uh, and he just kind of freaks out. And then his soul gets like sucked back into his body. 
and he starts to suspect that he was drugged with the tea that she served him. And uh, But no, she explains that she just transported his consciousness to the astral dimension. And then she opens his third eye. Opens his third eye, and we get a very long sequence of him just, like, tumbling through a bunch of fantastical scapes. I like what they're going for with this. I don't think it looks great at every point of it. There's parts of it where, like, well, this looks kind of rinky-dink. Yeah, I, I appreciate the concept, but it could have been executed a little better. He does go into the quantum realm briefly. Oh, does he? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he also goes into the hand realm, where just everything's made of hands. There is also a point where he gets, like, there's, like, a series of him stretching behind him. Yeah. Like, slowly turning into dust. That kind of looks reminiscent of the snap. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Oh, hmm. Hmm. Does he get snapped in Infinity War? He sure does. All right. Well, then. Interesting. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, she is kind of monologuing in voiceover as he's going through all these wacky dimensions about how, like... The reality is he knows it is just, like, one fragment of reality, and there's an infinite multiverse we live in, and he has to learn who he is as a person in the, you know, infinity of everything. My favorite uh, dimension is the fingers dimension. <laughs> he goes into a big cave made of hands, and then he looks at his hands, and his fingers turn into hands that then grow into fingers that grow into hands. And then his hands envelop him, and then those hands turn into his face... Right, and then he falls through his own eyeball. That's probably the best shot of this whole thing, yeah. It's very good. He also sees uh, the Dormammu dimension for a little bit, doesn't he? That's what this looks like, at least. I don't know. Yeah, he sees the dark dimension briefly. Right, the dark dimension. He sees Dormammu for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he finally wakes up back on the floor of the temple, and uh, he begs her to teach him, and she just says, No, I'm good, and kicks him out. That's also a very good exchange. Teach me. No. <laughs> yeah, just throws him out on his ass. <laughs> and then he spends, he's hes there all night just banging against the door. Yeah, yeah. As you would. Right. Yeah, I think pretty much anyone would after getting shown that. What exactly was her plan here? I'm not sure. Maybe she just thought this guy was a dick and needed to be taught a lesson? Maybe. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, fine. Whatever, that's fine. Yeah. Then she and Mora have a conversation like... This guy seems like an asshole. He kind of reminds me of the character from the beginning, Kaecilius. Right, Kaecilius. And Mordo's like, yeah, but also, like, we really need cool sorcerers to fight Kaecilius, so maybe we should cut him some slack. And uh, she finally relents, and they let him back inside. And he just kind of, like, they just open the door while he's leaned against it, and he falls in. And Mordo has a line about, like, you taught me how to live within the natural law. He's very big about that. He sure is. Um, but yeah, they let him in. Uh, Mordo kind of shows him his room and uh, tells him, like, yeah, get yourself cleaned up, get some sleep, and, uh, you know, the Ancient One will send for you. Gives him a slip of paper that just says, uh, what's it say on it? Oh, Shambhala. Mm -hmm. And he says, like, oh, what is this? Like, the mantra I need to learn? And he goes, no, it's the Wi-Fi password. No, dumbass, I just really like Fullmetal Alchemist Conqueror of Shambhala and just wanted to share that with you. I really love Uncharted 2. Do you want to play <laughs> Uncharted 2 with me on my PlayStation 3? <laughs> uh, oh, it was 2016, so they just released Uncharted, the Nathan Drake collection on the PlayStation 4. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I can finally play Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. 
great even the higher definition i'm real happy uh Strange looks at his watch, and it's got an engraving on the back that I missed when I watched it, but I'm seeing it now. It says, what, time will tell how much I love you, and it's from Christine. Oh, the the last watch he kept was from Christine. So it's not it's not just like they dated once. You know they they were they were pretty involved. They yeah apparently were very involved. If she wrote "Time will tell how much I love you" on a fancy expensive watch for him, that must have gone real bad with the way they talk to each other when this movie starts. Yeah. Yeah, man. So Strange wakes up to go to his first lesson. Yeah. Where the ancient one teaches him that. The language of the mystic arts is as old as civilization. The sorcerers of antiquity called the use of this language spells. But if that word offends your modern sensibilities, you can call it a program, the source code that shapes reality. We harness energy drawn from other dimensions of the multiverse to cast spells, conjure shields, and weapons to make magic. And yeah, she is kind of like drawing this like fire symbol in the air as she's speaking. All the magic in this movie kind of has the same look to it where it's like drawn out of sparks in midair. It's a cool look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he is concerned that his fingers are like that his hands are too he lacks dexterity to do that now because his hands are all messed up. And uh but he says, like, even if I could do those exact movements, like, I would just be waving my hands in the air. How do I, like, how do I do what you're doing? And she just says, like, well, the same way that you did brain surgery. You gotta study and practice. So he goes to the library, hits the books. Hits the books. Meets the librarian, Wong. Yeah. Just one name. Like, like Adele. Like Adele. Aristotle. Drake. Bono. Drake. Eminem. <laughs> I went from thinking this joke was lame to they drag it out so long that it wrapped around to being funny for me. <laughs> the fact that he just keeps going on with one name celebrities. Right, because he's he's the butt of the joke in this scene. It's like he keeps fucking trying and Wong is no selling him. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh and yeah, Wong recommends him some books to uh try out along with the ones that he's checking out. Uh, or no, he's returning books that he's already read. He's read through, like, eight books the size of his head. And Wong's just like, all right, well, here's some here's some new ones to start with. You need to start learning how to read Sanskrit, so let's get you that one. Um, and is this where they introduce the Forbidden Collection also? Right, this whole section that he's taking him to is for masters only, but he's letting him in because he's very good at reading. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's also the Ancient One's private collection. Right. And none of the knowledge in there is forbidden, but some of the practices are. No knowledge is forbidden here. And it's probably too advanced for anyone. He Like, he wouldn't even understand those books if he read them, so... It's only for the Sorcerer Supreme. Steven takes one of the books, the Book of Cagliostro, The Study of Time. One of the rituals was stolen by a former master, a zealot called Caecilius. Yeah, and Wong explains that, yeah, after that, yeah, like he's he's replaced the old librarian who got murdered by Caecilius, and he is going to absolutely murder anyone who steals any books out of this library. Definitely don't steal books out of this library, Stephen. He's like, well, what if it's just overdue? You know any late fees I should know about? Yeah, and this is where we get the line I mentioned earlier, where, like, Wong no-sells his joke again, and Stephen just says, like, you know, people used to think I was funny. And Wong just says, N were they, did they work for you? And Stephen just goes, all right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, this movie is way more, like, aggressive in telling Stephen Strange that he's a dick than any of the Iron Man movies are. Right, it doesn't revel in him being a dick. Right, it's not fun that he's a dick. He kind of, uh, 
hurts and or annoys everybody around him, and that's not okay. So we cut to Caecilius and his buddies doing uh, an evil-looking ritual. Yeah, they've carved the weird symbol from the book into their heads. And their eyes start getting all funky. Yeah, it's like the skin chips away around their eyes, and it's just, like, gross and purple underneath. It's it's not a good look. And you get another brief shot of Dormammu. Yeah. So we got to Steven. He's doing some kung fu in the courtyard, but he's having a bit of trouble summoning the kung fu magic. Yeah, like, everyone else is, like, making cool magic shit happen with their hands while they're doing the motions, and he's just doing them, and he looks dumb. Then there's a close-up of the students being given their sling ring, and it's close-ups of all their hands, and you can see Steven's hands got got some bad scarring on them. Yeah, they're very scarred. And yeah, so everyone's doing the thing where they're, like, you know, rotating the joystick in the air. Uh, they're playing the Super Mario Party. Right, yeah. <laughs> but Steven, Steven can't do it. He's having trouble. He's, he's just making little, little sparks like, in the air. Yeah, he's getting a few little pops and sparks. And uh, so the Ancient One dismisses everybody other than Steven to give him a private lesson to get him caught up with everybody. And he tries to say, like, listen, like, my hands are too shaky. I can't do this. And the Ancient One is just like, oh, yeah? Well, here's a dude without any hand. So shut up, Steven. He can do it. It's not about your hands, Steven. It's about your soul. Yeah. So she takes him through a portal with the sling ring to uh, Mount Everest. And then she leaves. Uh, yeah, well, she gives him a speech about how, uh, what she's saying, like, you have to, like, surrender to a problem, and, like, you know, it's like a river, you can't fight a river, you have to just go with the current and move within that flow, and he's like, I don't understand, what do you mean you had to surrender to control it, that don't make no sense, and she just ditches him on Mount Everest and tells him, surrender! Surrender, Stephen. Surrender, Stephen. And uh, she's just waiting in the courtyard of uh, the temple for him to figure it out. Well, he is just freezing to death on the top of Mount Everest, swinging his arm around like a jackass trying to make the whole portal open. There's a long shot of her and Mortar waiting, and Mortar's like, maybe, uh... She's like, no. Yeah. This is the first part of this movie where I'm a little... I, I wish this was a little better. Because I feel like this needs to be, like, a good character beat for him where he, like, maybe starts to glimpse what she's talking about when she says surrender. And instead he just kind of stops and concentrates a little harder and now he can do it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, th- this this scene should have been stronger than it is. Right, it should have been a scene where he looks on onto the mountains is like, ah, I can feel the, the energies of the universe. Yeah, it didn't even be anything, like, huge, but he just needed to have a moment where something more happened than he just stops trying to do it, takes a deep breath, tries to do it again, and it works. That's that's not, like, compelling. But, you know, relatively minor criticism in the grand scheme of things. Um, someone finally got him an electric razor, which he can shave with much more safely, but he decides to keep a little of that beard. He gets, he gets his signature Doctor Strange goatee. You get a shot of him shirtless, but... It's not that good. Yeah, you know. He's no Thor. Sure. Who is? Whom among us? Uh, He talks to Wong some more. Um, He wants to, like, start learning about astral projection. And Wong's just like, oh, you're not ready. And he says, try me, Beyonce. 
And he no-sells it again, and he's like, oh, come on, you had to have heard of Beyonce. Everyone knows Beyonce. And then it's, which, what I love is that he's right, Wong's a Beyonce fan, because later that night he's just, like, working, listening to Beyonce. Yeah, everyone's a Beyonce fan. Right. You ever heard someone say, I don't like Beyonce? No, not really. I just like that they make it explicit that Wong is deliberately no-selling his joke and pretending not to get his references. And Steven asks, do you ever laugh? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Wong is like reading in the library late at night, and we get like a little bit of Steven opening up portals and stealing books off the shelves, uh, like from behind Wong, and then like he even steals the book Wong was reading, and uh, thought he gave a speech about how he would murder anyone that stole any books, but ah, it's fine, Steven's just a rascal. And then you have a shot of him sleeping physically, but astrally reading the book. Yes. Which is a very good way to learn, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah. But now Steven thinks he's hot shit. He thinks he's hot shit. He thinks he's too good for the rules. And he's getting mad at the Ancient One because he's like, oh, these dumb rules aren't letting me become a cool sorcerer fast enough. And she's just like, can you not? So she shows him into the mirror dimension from the beginning of the movie. Which, again, it's very, uh... It's very much like Purgatorio from Bayonetta. They're, like, in the same physical space, but they can't, like, interact with people. Except that, like, all of the geometry of the world gets all weird and fractal in a way that, again, I think looks cool. It, it actually feels like a dimension in that it is it is, it is is part of the world. Yeah. You just don't usually interact with it. Right, yeah. They're on, like, they're in the same location on a different axis. Yeah, 100%. And she alludes to uh, th- dark threats... That the mystic ones fight. Strange is like, wait, what? Uh, And she also mentions that, like, the mirror dimension is useful for trapping people in because it's impossible to escape without a sling ring. So that's, you know, that's good info, I guess. And uh, we get a kind of weird conversation between Steven and uh, Mordo. Is that his name? Morbo? Mordo. Mordo. Uh, Where he's asking, like, just how ancient is the ancient one? He's like, nobody knows. No one knows anything about her. And Steven just like, oh, but you still, like, trust her? And Mordo's just like, yeah, dude, she does cool magic. Have you been paying any attention? And then Mordo shows him the staff of the living tribunal. Yes. Uh, He explains that some spells are too powerful to maintain for a long period of time. So instead, you imbue objects with magic so they can work as kind of like a a magic battery. And he also explicitly tells him about Kaecilius. It was a lot like him. He was proud and headstrong. He questioned the Ancient One. And then he got evil and stole the book. Right. Uh, He also shows him, like, what are they called? Like, the the leaping boots or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. He does, like, a cool, like, double jump, uh, you know, to beat up Steven. Yeah, he beats up Steven and asks him to fight like his life depends on it. Right, because one day it may. And Steven gets his butt kicked. Yes. He's like, you know, you'll know everything, Mr. Strange. Also, a recurring thing in this movie is that uh, everyone keeps calling him Mister Strange instead of Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's true. We should have should have pointed that. And he keeps trying to like tell them, no, it's Doctor, not Mister. Steven asks like when he's gonna get a cool magic relic, and Mordo just tells him like, you know, when one chooses you, you gotta wait. Um, Steven tries to write an email to Christine, but he can't do it because he's he's has trouble expressing his feelings. Well, no, he has a hard time doing it because he's written her like 50 emails and she hasn't answered any of them. And he's realizing he should probably stop harassing her. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, because like we see what he's typing. He's like, Christine, I know you haven't replied to the last several emails I've sent you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So at this point, the movie starts going into like real time. Seems like Strange has been here for about a year. That's the vibe I got. Yeah, some amount of time. It's not clear exactly how much, but yeah. And the rest of this movie is basically going to progress in real time, which I think maybe goes a little fast. Yeah, yeah. Um. So instead, Stephen deals with his feelings by going into the library and reading the book that Kaecilia stole from. <laughs> reading, like, the most evil book in the library. That's a good way to go. Knowledge is not evil, Luke. It's not an evil... No, it's not an evil book. I'm just saying. It's like, let's go read the the bad, bad, no-no evil book. I don't know. Anyway, he's eating an apple in here, and there's some kind of, like... No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. He takes an apple from the table that's already been bitten into. <laughs> You're right. That's that's correct. I'm going to keep eating this apple, I guess. Yeah, he's just stealing Wong's apple. <laughs> Stole Wong's apple. What a prick. But yeah, there's there's this uh, like golden eye on a pedestal nearby that there's diagrams of in the book. So he goes and puts it around his neck. Kind of looks around to see if Wong is there, and he isn't. Yeah. So he starts trying to do this spell explained in the book. Uh, and the eye opens up, and there's a glowing green gem inside Crystal. Oh. Oh. The eye of Agamotto. Yeah. And now Steven can do green magic. Right, which is time magic, because as he, like, he, like, casts the spell on the apple, and it's like he can scrub through the apple's timeline, where, like, as he moves his hand one way, the apple gets more and more eaten, and, like, it starts to rot, but if he scrubs the other way, the apple goes back to, like, being complete. Hmm. Hmm. Then he thinks, what if I do it on the book? Yeah, and he regenerates the pages that got stolen. But wait, hold on. Yeah. Caecilius also still has the pages. Right. So he just created a new page. Yeah, 100%. But that's that's more than time magic. Uh, no, it's localized time magic, because he's only casting the spell on the book. So the book's returning to the state it was in. He didn't cast it on those pages, though, so they're just still out there. This this brings us to Wong's point as he bursts in and yells at Steven for fucking with the time magic. The time magic is dangerous, and you can create weird paradox shit if you uh, don't know what you're doing. Yeah, Steven, Steven starts reading the, the lost... The Lost Pages and something about the Dark Dimension and a spell for eternal life. And then the world starts breaking in front of him. Yeah. More is like tampering with continuum probabilities is forbidden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, let me float an idea by you here, Crystal. Uh-huh. Do you think that... I, I guess I guess it was Wong's apple, so he probably finishes eating that apple, right? Uh-huh. Okay, then I, I guess... This all kind of goes out the window. I missed that the apple already had a bite out of it when I watched it the first time. I was about to present an entire theory about how Steven probably doesn't finish eating that apple, but we've seen him fast forward its timeline and see that it gets eaten, which means that he did create a branching timeline. This is the whole apple verse, or there's an eaten apple verse out there also now because of what Steven did. O- okay. I don't know. It was going to be a whole fun bit about branching timelines based on a dumb apple. It's probably going to like make it like a funny Zelda reference. It's but it doesn't work anymore. Mortar warns about unstable dimensional openings and time loops, and spatial paradoxes. Yeah. You want to get stuck reliving the same moment over and over? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And then Wong's like, didn't you read the warnings before you cast the spell? Right. And Steven's just like, you know, they should probably write the warnings in front of the spell and not not behind it. And Wong reiterates that we do not tamper with the natural law. Yeah. And Mora's like, how the fuck did you even learn that? That's like super advanced spells. 
Strange explains that he has a photographic memory. Yes, and that's how he got through medical school. And Wong's just like, yeah, no, there's more to it than that, man. That's real hard to do, the thing you just did. Um, but they just kind of move on from it, and uh, he Wong takes him over to like a weird like dais and explains that just as the Avengers defend the world from like you know superhero type threats, we defend it from mystical ones. Ever for thousands of years. Since the first master of the mystic arts, Agamotto, creator of the eye that you now hold, he built three sanctums and places of power in New York, Hong Kong, and London. Yeah. That that create a shield that protects the world from evil spirits. Right. And they I think they call out Dormammu at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, Dormammu who wants to eat every world and make it a part of himself. And the world he wants to eat most of all is Earth. And uh, that's why you have to protect the sanctums to keep Dormammu out. And Steven just like, oh, well, no, then. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah, I signed up here to fix my hands, not to become a superhero. Yeah, didn't wasn't into that idea. Also, I do wish they had, like, painted a better picture of what the, like, normal state of things for the sorcerers are. Because, like, right now it's all about Kaecilius, who's, like, trying to destroy the sanctums and bring in Dormammu. But, like, I assume there's other mystical threats that are, like, going after, like, because the way it makes it sound in the movie is almost like their job is just to kind of guard these three sanctums to keep Dormammu out. And I, I just wish there was maybe just a, just a little bit to hint at, like, what other kinds of magical adventures they go on. You know what I mean? Right. Because it kind of sounds like they're just security guards, which is boring. So just as Wong finishes explaining this, a dead guy runs out of the door to the London Sanctum. Yeah, I guess we should say that too. This room has like doors that are portals to the three sanctums everywhere. And yeah, a dude gets like blown through the London door and uh, Caecilius is there and he's just causing all kinds of ruckus. And there's a big explosion that racks the, the room they were all standing in and the, Stephen gets blown into the New York door. And yeah, it's just like a fancy like mansion study thing. There's like a bit in the back where there's like a bunch of like full-sized windows that lead out. Like one leads out to the beach, one leads out to the ocean, one goes out to like a rainforest. This is, is kind of neat. Yeah. There's like knobs on the sides of them so you can like change where the portal warps you to. There's all sorts of artifacts and whatnot here, including Aladdin's carpet. Yeah, there's, like, a whole little, like, museum area with a bunch of cool artifacts. Including a cloak. Huh. Yeah, that moves around on its own. Huh. So, and just as Steven finishes walking around, he goes back to the entrance, and now this place is under attack, too. Yeah. And Daniel gets killed by Caecilius. Yep, poor Daniel. Poor Daniel. Yeah, Caecilius makes these weird, like, spears out of nothing. It's kind of... It's kind of cool looking. Daniel is the brother of one Dr. Druid. I don't know who Dr. Druid is. He's a druid and a doctor. I mean, that much I managed to surmise. <laughs> Cassilius looks up at Steve and he's like, hey, what's up? Yeah. And he's just like, how long have you been here, Mr. Doctor? Mr. Doctor. No, it's strange. Maybe. It's not for me to say. <laughs> this is an all right goof. This is a good goof. This is an okay goof. This is, this is... I like that he says, who am I to judge right before he murders a man? Then he does do a murder. And then, uh, yeah, we, we get a fight scene. I did have a moment of like, I know that Steven's like, you know, kind of super good at this and is learning super fast. And I guess even more time has passed since he got his ass kicked by Mordo. But like that guy's whole job was to defend this place and they killed him very easily. Steven holds them off pretty well considering that, you know? He's very good at magic. 
But he's not, though, because then there's a scene where, like, he tries to conjure shields and, like, he can't maintain it. He's good at improvising, but maybe not great at the fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, There's a bit where he, like, tries to run away from them down a hallway and they use... He uses his, like, spatial magic to, like, stretch the hallway out infinitely. Right, he makes it into the Super Mario 64 staircase. Yeah, it's not... They, they explain it after this fight. It's not super clear. They, they showed it earlier, but basically the idea is that now that he's connected to Dormammu, Kaecilius can warp the real world around like it's the mirror dimension. Right. Um, so yeah, like, they start having this fight in this hallway, and the, like, sections of the hallway are twisting around like a Rubik's Cube. Again, I like how that stuff looks. It's a very neat look. It's good. Yeah. Steven kicks a guy through one of the portals into the desert. Right. And switches the knob so they can't get back. Yeah, yeah. So just strands that guy. Um, strands that lady, I guess. Uh, and then there's just one left. Or no, he, he strands another one in a different portal. Uh-huh. And then is fighting Kaecilius, kind of runs away from him. Uh, runs upstairs, I think? Yeah. And is this where he gets the uh, cloak? I'm trying to remember the order of events here. Yeah, the, the cloak sort of, like, busts through the case that's in and starts helping out Stephen. Yeah, it like, he gets, like, thrown off a balcony, but he comes back up wearing the cloak. And uh, it's, like, the cloak seems to have, like, a mind of its own, and it's, like, parrying all of Caecilius' attacks for him. And then Stephen tries to, like, run out the window, and the cloak won't let him. Because the cloak is also guiding him towards uh, a special bondage device. Yeah, this weird torture device on the wall that he throws at Caecilius, and it, like forces him into this position where, like, he's bent, his back is arched and his arms are behind his back and he's on his knees. And like you said, yeah, it's a weird bondage device. Yeah, he just kind of tosses it in Caecilius' general direction. Yeah. And it locks onto his body and forces him to kneel down and bend his arms behind his back. (laughs) Yeah. There's, like, a thing over his mouth that he's muttering behind. And Steven, like, takes the, the gag off and he's just, like, muttering in some language and i feel like at this point you know this man is a powerful dangerous sorcerer maybe don't let him chant magic words maybe put the gag back on and he's like you cannot stop this mr doctor he's like i don't even know what this is like i just learned vaguely about this two seconds ago Caecilius gives him this whole speech. Oh, I guess we also learned earlier that the reason Caecilius originally came to Camartage is because, like, he lost his entire family horribly and he was just, like, a broken man just ready to, like, accept death. Um, which I thought, with the time shit, the way this was gonna go is he was trying to, like, go back in time and save his family or something, but that's not it. No. No. See, because... <laughs> Caecilius hates the concept of time. The end and the beginning, the many becoming the few, becoming the one. You understand the laws of nature. All things age, all things die. In the end, our sun burns out, our universe grows cold and perishes. But the dark dimension is a place beyond time. This world doesn't have to die, Doctor. This world can take its rightful place among so many others as part of the one. The great and beautiful one, and we can all live forever. And Steven's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right, yeah. This bad guy just wants to murder entropy. <laughs> and Steven just like, no. no. This guy's like, like, time is the true enemy. Time kills everything. Right. Steven's like, what about the people you killed? Caecilius says that they were tiny, momentary specks within an indifferent universe. 
Right. And he's actually starting to pull Steven in. But then my favorite part of this is Steven just like, yeah, but hold on. Wait a sec. Your face is all fucked up. This is clearly evil. No. Well, it's because that's the line that Steven said before. Oh, right. No, I, I get that. It's just, yeah, it's funny to me that he's like, no, your face is clearly caving in on itself. This is a bad guy. You're a bad guy. Not gonna, not gonna help you. Yeah, no one who has a face like that is up to any good. Right. I guess he starts crying as he says that death is an insult. We seek to save the world by handing it over to Dormammu. But yeah, so like I said, Steven, like, for a moment seemed like he was coming around, but then, like, doesn't. And uh, one of his henchmen shows up. What, was this guy, like, one of the ones he stranded, I guess? Yeah. Okay. And uh, they get in a fight, and Steven gets seriously wounded. He gets, like, stabbed in the chest by an energy spear. Before that, Cassilius explains, you know, you ever wonder how the Ancient One lives so long? Right. She keeps the real magic for herself while she teaches us parlor tricks. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, then Steven uses a sling ring to warp himself to the hospital he used to work at to find Christine so that she can help him with the chest wound he's got now. He stumbles into the emergency room, orders Christine to start doing surgery on him as he passes out. But he's actually not passed out. He's in the astral dimension. Right. He he astrally projects. I like all this stuff. I like anytime these movies, like, shove the weird superhero bullshit back into, like, a normal setting. Like, that's part of why I like Thor so much. Yeah. That's fun stuff. And he, like, pops his, his ghost form out into the real world as he's guiding Christine's needle. Yeah, and, like, helping her operate on him. But then uh, the bad guy he was fighting also astrally projects, and they have a ghost fight. Ghost fight. Ghost fight! This was the very first scene storyboarded for this movie in the pitch. Yeah. that's I, I can see that. This is a cool premise for a scene. Yes, there's like a ghost fight overlaid over Christine doing surgery on Doctor Strange. Yeah. Uh, And like, as the ghosts are like, moving around this room, they're like, jostling stuff, knocking shit over. And then eventually, like, Steven starts to go into like, his heart's not beating, so she's gotta electrocute him. And it turns out that that makes his like, ghost, like, surge with energy? Sure. Yeah, what? Okay, sure. Why not? Why not? It's a dumb magic about sorcerers. Who cares? So he's like, jolt me while I'm choking this guy so I can jolt his ghost. Yeah. So yeah, she cranks up the power on the paddles and uh, gives him a power surge that then, like, that causes the guy's physical body to, like, get his head burned and he dies? Right, because he blew up his ghost. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Sure. Sure. What? Nah, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like, I don't understand anything about how this works, but ah, whatever, who cares? What don't you understand? I don't understand why his body getting electrocuted gives his ghost better power. Because it charges him up. (laughs) Okay. What? But it, like, doesn't translate to, like, electrical power. Because it's not like he electrocutes this guy. He, like, magically burns his body through his ghost? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's just something where, listen, I'm just, I'm, I'm willing to just not think about it too hard because I don't think it makes much sense and that's okay. So then Steven goes back into his body and has a little conversation with Christine. Yeah. It's like, well, I haven't seen you in like a year. And then you just showed up here and had a ghost fight. Yeah, you uh, showed up here dressed like uh, a D&D cosplayer uh, with a gaping chest wound and had a ghost fight. So what's going on, buddy? Well, he explains he went to Carmartage and then talked to a woman named the Ancient One. Right. And she's like, oh, I get it. You're a cultist. And he's like, no. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> so 
they they go to a back room where Steven shows her his portal. Right. It's like, bye, I guess. I have to go do more fighting. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for the medical help. And yeah, he just goes back into the New York sanctum. The guy's den, Steven checks his body. He's like, ah, oh, geez. And then he does a good brood while he grabs the cape and puts him on his on his back real cool like. Right. And like Mordo shows up and he's like, oh, dang, you have the, the cape now. And the ancient one also shows up and she's like, well, they murdered the guy who's in charge of guarding this place. But it turns out you're good at fighting. So maybe we should just promote you to master. Master Strange. And he just has a little uh, temper tantrum about how he's not a master or a mister. He's a doctor. I really like this moment. Yeah. Because, like, listen, I I took an oath to do no harm, and now I've killed a guy, and I'm not okay with that. I don't want to keep doing this. Yeah, for, like, the first time in at least a long time, if not ever, someone is deeply rattled by the fact that they had to do a murder in one of these movies. And uh, Mordo calls him, like, a coward and a weakling, because you gotta, listen, sometimes you gotta kill people to defend the important stuff. This this all kind of plays out like an Elder Scrolls quest line. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Kind of. <laughs> Where it the, like the the past twenty minutes and the next hour of this movie all take place over in like one day. Right. Where Steven goes from still like a novice. Yeah. To one of the three most powerful men. Yeah. He he definitely like gets way better at magic way faster than it makes sense for him to. And it just kinda like, I don't know, roll with it. That's because he's been forced to fight for his life. Yeah. Uh, the Ancient One does accuse him of, like, listen, you're you're giving us all this mumbo-jumbo about how, you know, oh, you're a brain surgeon, you help people, you don't hurt people, but really it's all just about your ego, because you suck. And I mean, like, she's not wrong. And then he says, you know, I've seen how you do your live forever ritual. Yeah. You take energy from the dark dimension. I read it in the Book of Cagliostro. Yeah, and Mordo doesn't believe it because surely she would never break a rule that she made him follow. That's, no, impossible. But then they get attacked again. <laughs> then they get attacked again. Uh, yeah, Caecilius is here. Um, I'm trying to think of how this fight even goes. I don't really remember. Oh, right, this is the one where they get sucked into the, like, they try to bring Mordo into the mirror dimension, right? But it backfires on them because <laughs> Mordo says... What might be what well, one of what I think are the two dumbest lines in this movie is he says, "Ah, oh, his connection to the dark dimension makes him stronger in the mirror dimension." <laughs> it's a Yu-Gi-Oh line. It completely is. Like, well, can you give me that in a, in a Joey Wheeler voice? Hey, Yug, his connection to the dark dimension makes him stronger in the mirror dimension. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> It's real stupid. It's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're in the mirror dimension now, and we get a whole bunch of fun mirror dimension visuals where they're, like, outside in New York, and, like, city blocks are, like, wrapping in on each other, and, again, I'm a sucker for all this stuff. I like how it, it goes looks. full Inception. It, it's very Inception-y, yeah, yeah, yeah. They get, like, shoved off of a street that is, like, hanging over an abyss of just, like, city skyline, and there's, like, falling through a bunch of, like, differently oriented blocks of New York. This part looks very good in 3D. Oh yeah, I could see that. Uh, this there's is a, there's a yeah. there's a wide shot where they're they're like falling from one skyline to another skyline, mm -hmm. and you can see they're like tiny little specks in the horizon, which is only like the middle of the screen. Uh huh. It's good. Yeah. Um, because he's got uh, because the dark dimension has made him stronger in the mirror dimension. 
Uh, Kaecilius can do, like, he can warp the space a lot more than they can. And it's just, like, there's this weird, like, well that everything gets sucked into around him. And, like, ev- like the world gets more distorted the closer he is to it. It's very cool looking. Uh, this is also where we get our Stan Lee cameo, because they fall sideways onto a bus where he's, like, reading a book. Oh, no, yeah, he's he's reading a book called, like, The Something of Perception, and he just laughs. He goes, that is hilarious. That is hilarious. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm a fan of this action set piece. We do get what I was talking about before, like, Steven is running up the side of a building, uh, spinning the analog stick. And this is the bit where I was like, all right, the, the warp spell looks kind of goofy as he's, like, sprinting while doing the twirling motion with his fingers. It's like, that. well, that doesn't look cool. I don't know if you could make it look cool. It doesn't have to look cool. It has to look like it's a wizard. Yeah, I guess you're right. And wizards are lame. Yeah, you are. Wizards are lame. That's fair. Um... But yeah, how does this fight scene end? Well, they all fall onto a little nice little Kingdom Hearts platform, mm-hmm. and then the Ancient One shows up. And in here, you can see she has the symbol on her forehead that Kaecilius also has. Right. The symbol of the Dark Dimension. Which, oh, is it because they're in the Mirror Dimension that you can see that? I thought it was just she went to do the ritual, and I just liked the idea that she was like, I don't use the Dark Dimension, and then just left and immediately started doing the Dark Dimension ritual. Wait, I think she she maybe didn't show it before because she didn't need to draw upon it okay. to keep up with Kaecilius in here. Right. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Mordo is kind of like taken aback that she's got the, the Dormammu symbol on her forehead. Disobeying the natural law. Yeah. And uh, her and Kaecilius have a fight, and she's trying to convince him that like, hey, stupid, letting like the heat death of the multiverse into the into our reality is a bad idea. He's like, no, it's definitely a good idea. You're dumb. Dormammu isn't evil. Uh, or, yes, he is. No, he no, isn't. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Um, he ends up stabbing her through one of his henchmen because he's a bad man. Yeah, and then like kicks her into a portal that's spinning around. It's very video gamey. Like you said, it's it's very much like a Kingdom Hearts arena that they're in, and she falls like. Th- 30 stories and slams through a glass awning to the concrete and somehow she's not dead i guess she's a magic lady she can survive yeah she's good at living right and uh, so she uh, steven rushes her back to the hospital he works at and he's yelling christine 15 minutes after he just showed up <laughs> yeah because you're right you know in my head i was th- like when i was watching this the first time i was like ah you know time's passing over but no it is one scene to the next with no breaks she just Mom. finished operating. It's totally like that. And she reacts like that. Like, oh, God, I can't believe he broke his... F- uh. And then she sees the Ancient One's broken, bloody body. And she's like, oh, jeez, okay. So Doctor Strange is getting suited up to do surgery. But he picks up a scalpel, but his hands are still shaky. Right. So he gives it to the doctor that he was being the dick to before. Yeah. He's like, doctor, I trust you to do this. Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden, she starts flatlining, and Steven realizes that she's astrally projecting. So he astrally projects to go find her ghost, and uh, she has, like, slowed down time to basically a standstill. Um, and she's just standing at a window, just watching, like, a crack of lightning slowly spread across the sky. It's neat looking. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, and she explains that, you know, she's looked into the future a lot, but she's never been able to look past this moment. And it's because this is the moment she's going to die at. I've spent so many years peering through time, looking at this exact moment, but I can't see past it. 
I've prevented countless terrible futures, and after each one, there's always another, and they all lead here, but never further. Yeah. Do you wonder what I see in your future? I never saw your future. Only its possibilities. You have such a capacity for goodness. You always excelled, but not because you crave success, but because of your fear of failure. That's what led me to greatness. It's precisely what kept you from greatness. Arrogance and fear still keep you from learning the simplest and most significant lesson of all. Which is? It's not about you. Aw, oh, dang. I, I like that speech. Um, this is... Mm. The only thing... Th- this is where this movie loses me a little bit. I really love that it's not about you line. I think that's perfect. But we were two seconds ago talking about how we didn't trust the Ancient One anymore. And now she's being like the source of his big like emotional turn in this movie. I don't... I, I love what he's about to do in the climax of this movie. I don't buy his movement to that point though. Do you know what I mean? I feel like they could have, much like how they could have sold me better on him learning the surrender lesson on the mountain, they could have sold me better on him understanding that it's not all about him, you know? Right. Like, I, I appreciate that a character tells him that, but I wish something had happened to make him, to, to like, dramatize that more. Yeah. Yeah. But, again, like, I, I like the, the beat of it very much. She explains, she explains that Jonathan Pangborn was healed because he channels dimensional body, dimensional energy into his body to make himself walk. Yeah, which is a wild bit of exposition to toss off about a character no one has thought about for an hour. <laughs> she explains that she doesn't like drawing power from a dark dimension. Well, no, no, okay, this is the other line that's one of my two favorite lines in this movie is, I've hated drawing power from the dark dimension. It's... <laughs> It's just a goofy line. As you well know, sometimes you must break the rules to serve the greater good. Yeah, that's another thing about this scene is that they don't they don't ever explain like what greater good is being served by her making herself live forever. Preventing th- futures that are bad. Yeah, but she just says that. Like they do not s- It just sounds like she's like, "Yeah, but like but I want to be alive though." You know? Right. If they're gonna have that whole turn, and, like, part of the end of this movie is all about, like, Steven asserting that, like, no, you know, it's important to break even the most important rules sometimes for the greater good, that idea can't be planted in this scene without them elaborating on it more, and, like, giving us a moment, like, she could have showed Steven something, like, a vision or something that showed, like, oh, it was necessary for you to do this, and maybe it even, like, has hurt you spiritually or something to, like fuel your body off of that darkness but it was important but they don't do anything like that it just kind of like no trust me i really i really needed to live forever do as i say not as i do yeah you you gotta work together with mordo because even though he's very rigid your your flexibility and his rigidity complement each other yeah and she she's got a good little bit at the end of the scene where she's explaining that like you know, she thought with all the time she'd seen this moment that she'd be ready to die when the time came. But now that it's here, she's using her magic to, like, stretch out the last second of her life for infinity, basically. And there's a shot of of Stephen and the Ancient One holding hands for a second. Yeah. And then he looks to the side and she's gone. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she is dead on the operating table. And uh, it cuts to Christine and Steven kind of cleaning up after the surgery. Christine just, like, looks at the cape floating there for a second. It has a moment <laughs> of, okay, <laughs> moving on. She, she's just at a point where, like, I have seen too much shit in one day. I am beyond my ability to process new information. I will deal with the cape later. 
Um, as she's like wa- washing her hands, Stephen just kind of reaches over and holds her hand, and uh, it's a nice little moment between them. And Steve, she's like, I don't understand anything that's happening. Steve's like, I know, but I have to go do more stuff. Sorry, bye. He does take a moment, yeah, to say, like, you know what? I've been a horrible person to everybody, but especially to you, and I'm really sorry. And, like, you, you know, yeah, he, he is, he's learned his lesson. Um, I kind of wish they didn't kiss in this scene. I kind of liked it where it's just, like, he's really emotionally traumatized and, like, understands what's, like, the kind of horrible person he's been, and she's, uh kind of overwhelmed by everything and they I, I kind of would have preferred it. it was just a nice moment where they hold hands and just have like an emotional connection i didn't need the kiss that felt like too much agreed all right i'm glad we're on the same page on that um because that also feels like you know they've had a real weird rocky past like they can build up to a kiss just let them have a nice little moment but yeah he uh puts the cloak back on cleans himself up and like the the collar of the cloak is like I like just touching his face. I don't really know why. Well, because he's crying and it's wiping away the tears. This very much seems like I don't know if this was the case. I can imagine this one scene being taken out and used as like a teaser trailer for this movie. <laughs> Pops the collar of the cloak to look more cool. Yeah. As he's crying. As he's crying. <laughs> Uh, Kaecilius is in Hong Kong now. He needs to... Did they destroy the New York Sanctum? No, it's fine. Okay. I guess you only need to get rid of two of them to, to summon Dormammu. I guess one's not enough to hold him back. That That's that's fine. Um, everybody is, like, getting ready to, uh, fend off the, uh, attackers from the Hong Kong Sanctum. Um, Wong goes out there to face Kaecilius in the street. Uh, oh, right, and then, yes, yeah, Strange goes back to, um, the main temple, and him and Mordo have a conversation about how, like, Mordo is just angry and hurt that the Ancient One really was lying to them this whole time and drawing power from Dormammu, and Steven just like, eh, it's more complicated than that, man, come on. And he's like, no, rules are rules. Can't break them. Bill comes due. Her transgressions led to the zealots, led to Dormammu. Caecilius was her fault. Yeah. Which, eh, I guess kinda? Vague? Kinda. 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 Because she is, she was a hypocrite, which then led, you know, someone to doubt her, but I don't know if that means, you know, yeah, I, I get where he's coming from, but I don't agree with him. Uh, but Strange convinces Mordo that they need to go to Hong Kong and stop Caecilius, that, like, whatever feelings he has about the Ancient One right now, what's important is saving reality from the spooky demon man. So they go to Hong Kong, and it's it's real bad. The sanctum blew up, and Dormammu's <laughs> eating everything. Strange gives him this speech, like, listen, buddy, you and me, we need to go to Hong Kong and save everybody. And then they go to Hong Kong, and everybody's dead. <laughs> Which, yeah, the the Hong Kong Sanctum is being, like, sucked up into the sky and, like... Because, like, the whole city's getting, like, destroyed by the Dark Dimension. And it's like, oh, oh, man. Dang it. Dang it, Wong. You couldn't even hold on for two seconds. But then Steven pops out the Eye of Agamotto. Yeah. Starts reversing all the carnage. Right. He freezes time, and then he starts rewinding it. This is a really cool action set piece. Yeah, it's good. Because the all of the wreckage that was caused is now happening in reverse, and they're having a fight scene in the middle of this rewinding disaster site. Yeah, the, the, the zealots, like, pop themselves out of reverse time yeah. and back into meta time to fight Doctor Strange. Yeah. Like, I... <sighs> 
this movie has cool ideas for action set pieces, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm usually such a grump about the action scenes in these movies, and I really like the ones in this one. They're good. Yeah. Like, there's a bit where, like, he knocks one of the henchmen down as, like, an aquarium is, like, reversing through being destroyed, and she gets trapped in a fish tank? To drown, I guess. I guess she just drowns. Ah. Yeah. She was evil. She was evil. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a cool fight. Uh, he fights uh, Cassilius a bunch. I'm I'm trying to remember how this like ends and moves on to the next part. Uh, at some point, Wong also gets freed out into like the meta time, and Steven's like, "Listen, I'm I know messing with the space time continuum." And Wong's like, "Yeah, well, don't stop. Please keep doing it." Yeah, I'm alive now, and I was dead before. Yeah, uh, so I'm okay with breaking. <laughs> right. You know what? I benefit from it, so go for it. Oh, Strange, like, gets beaten, and, uh, because he's not focusing the magic anymore, time just freezes, and, uh, Kaecilius kind of gives a speech about how, like, listen, we need to destroy time, time kills us all, we gotta go to the dark dimension where time doesn't exist. So then Steven has a plan. Right, he's like, wait, time doesn't, oh, hey now, and he just flies away, and everyone's like, wait, what? No, no, come back, we're doing, like, a fight. He flies into the the portal into the dark dimension as time is frozen on Earth. And then Crystal, this movie gets pretty damn good. This is uh, this confrontation gives this movie so many points. This confrontation might be my favorite sequence in any of these movies. It's such a good way for the sorcerer to defeat the demon. I love this. So he lands on like a gross dead planet and yells like Dormammu, I'm here to bargain. And Dormammu's like. No, I'm a hundred foot tall demon man. I'm gonna murder you instead. And then just the exact same scene plays out again, but Dormammu seems like he realizes it's playing out again. He's like, wait, wait, what? And uh, Steven explains that this is a dimension without time, which means he's free to use the the, the eye of Agamotto to like bring time into it. And now they are trapped in this moment forever. And Dormammu kills him again, and it resets again. Endless looping time. Yeah. And Dormammu says, you can't win. Strange says, I can lose. Again, and again, and again. And that makes you my prisoner. Right. And we just get this, like, like this conversation is happening over the course of, like, a bunch of loops as Steven just gets murdered over and over again and the scene keeps resetting. Steven's in here for 10,000 years. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> I think I think that was a quote, is that th- that was the original plan. I see. Is that Steven would be in here for 10,000 years. See, I like the idea that he was in here for, like, Maybe an hour, and this is just a thing that is so novel to Dormammu that he he just folds that fast over it, you know? Like, he's in, he's been introduced to the slightest idea of, like, consequence and, like, causality, and he hates it so much that it just doesn't take that much to make him give up. Right, he starts begging Steven to stop this. Yeah. But then yeah. Steven says, no, I've come to bargain. Yeah, oh, and at some point during all this, Dormammu says, like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, just keep murdering you forever, you can't put up with that forever. He's like, Payne's an old friend of mine. It's so good, and, like, he's, ex- like, again, this is really great as, like, the final beat of his character arc, where not only is he, like, he is letting himself suffer basically in hell for eternity in exchange for the world being safe. That's great. It's good. Um, but he explains to Dormammu that he will break this spell if and only if he, uh, murders Kaecilius and his minions and leaves Earth alone forever. And, uh, Dormammu agrees. Yeah. And we get this nice long shot of, like, all of Hong Kong, like, frozen and, uh, like, 
Caecilius and his minions start to like disintegrate as Steven comes back and he's like, hey, you're getting the thing you wanted. It sucks. Bye, loser. And then as they get sucked into a dark dimension and the portal closes, he makes uh, his final one-liner. You know, you really should have stolen the whole book because the warnings, the warnings come after the spells. And Wong finally laughs. (laughs) After the spells. (laughs) Yeah, like in the the book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Mordo is just being a party pooper, though. You broke the natural law. The natural law. The bill comes due. The natural law. Yeah, no, but like I saved billions of people? Yeah, but you broke the rules, so no. Consequences. Consequences. The rules. The natural law. But like... The bill comes due. But like everybody was gonna die. Like the the bill was here, buddy. Anyway, yeah, Mordo decides to quit uh, being a sorcerer because he doesn't like that they broke the rules. Uh, and Wong tells Steven, like, they go back to, uh, I've already, Karmataj, is that it? Yeah, Karmataj. Karmataj. And he's like, hey, put the, why don't you put the time gem back on the pedestal? And Steven's like, wait, what? Don't worry about it. It'll come up in Infinity War. It's fine. Yeah, so, Steven's pretty good at magic here, but he ain't no Sorcerer Supreme. He doesn't know everything. Right. Yeah, I like that they don't make him the new Sorcerer Supreme. It's just... We'll just have to, you know, limp along without a Sorcerer Supreme. Also, uh, as long as I'm praising this movie, they finally used an Infinity Stone in an interesting way. Yeah. They finally figured out something to do with one of these things than just have it shoot lasers or make a tornado. Yeah. Uh, he beats, he wins the day using not the strong laser. Right. The strong minds. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so now Steven is the master of the New York Sanctum, and that's kind of the end of the movie, right? Yeah, there's one last shot of him putting on the broken watch and on his broken hands, and he just looks out into the, the cool window he's got. Yeah. And like at the end of this movie, Steven still has scarred, shaky hands. Yeah, I was about to say that. It's very much not like, oh, he healed his magic hands. Like, no, he's just learned to like live with and cope with his like problem. Yeah. I also like that. And I'm going to be sad if he shows up in Infinity War with, like, Iron Man hands or something. He's he's pretty good in Infinity War. Is he? Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's Doctor Strange. And then we get a mid-credits scene. I finally learned that there's two scenes in the credits. And I watched them both. There's usually two these days. Yeah. So, first we get a teaser for, I guess, the Ragnarok's the next movie? It's not the next one, but it's coming up. It is what they're teasing. Because... Yes. Steven is in his study, and he's saying, like, Listen, as part of my job... As the master of the New York Sanctum, I try to keep a list of, you know, dangerous mystical threats to Earth. And Loki is, like, very high on that list, Thor, the guy I'm talking to. So, um, why'd you bring him to Earth? Uh, there's a good bit where he, like, conjures a a mug of beer for Thor. That infinitely refills. Yeah, yeah. Thor Thor says, it's a long story, family drama. Listen, that story's gonna take, like, two whole hours for me to tell. So, like, we'll have to wait till it's in theaters next year. But what's important is that we're looking for my father. And Steve says, oh, okay, so you'll leave if you find him? I'll help out then. And that's that. Yeah. And then we... He's, he's part of this... He's a superhero now. Yeah. And then we get one last scene. Uh-huh. We're back with Pangborn, everyone's favorite character. Jonathan Pangborn. <laughs> he's like a mechanic, and Mordo shows up. And he's like, oh, it's... Hey, I remember you. And Mordo starts doing what's very obviously a villain speech, and what Pangborn obviously recognizes as a villain speech, so he reaches for a crowbar. And, uh, Mordo beats him up and starts sapping the magic energy out of him so he can't walk. 
because Mordo has come to understand that the real problem with the world is too many sorcerers. Sorcerers, they steal things and distort the natural law. What was Pangborn hurting? He was steal. He was stealing energy. Even if we accept that that's bad, surely they were higher priority targets than the man who couldn't walk using magic to walk. Well, that's why Mordo's evil. Mordo's a dick. He's the evil. He's a bad guy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I guess that'll be a problem we got to deal with at some point. Doctor Strange 2, 2021. Do you think they'll make a Doctor Strange? Oh, they are? They are. Okay. I don't know if it might be an Incredible Hulk situation where this one didn't do very well. So it's just like, eh, you know what? Don't worry about no, Doctor it did, Strange 2. No, it did well. Did it? Okay. Okay. You think, uh, what's that Hulk bad guy that never gets resolved? The leader? Yeah. What do you think he's up to? He's in prison. Oh, okay. Does that happen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something? It happens in the comic. Okay. Anyway, that's Doctor Strange. Krista, what do you think about this movie? It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good movie. I I have yeah. I have nitpicks. I've got bits where it's like, oh, this this could have hit a lot harder if these two or three scenes were done a little better. But it's got a cool aesthetic. It's got a lot of good ideas for its fight scenes. It's got my favorite climax of any of these movies. Um, like I said, I, I I feel like I really love like if you looked at this movie like uh, a roadmap. And if I was looking at all, like, the destinations along the path, I really like those. I think the roads between those destinations are a little iffy. But I'm not sure how much... Like, I'm, I'm willing to forgive that to an extent, because I really like the points it hits. I don't know. I, I feel... Could have been tighter. Could have been tighter. Could have been tighter. Like I said, the scene where the Ancient One dies, I think, needed a little more work. And the scene of Steven on Everest needed more work. And, like, that Everest scene feels kind of, arb- like... Just kind of one random point in his training uh, in the movie as it is. But I feel like if they had turned that into a character moment for him, it would have made the whole, like, first act of the movie, like, pop a lot more. Um, But, yeah, despite those flaws, I I still really... I enjoyed watching this movie a lot more than I normally do. Really? Yeah. This is going to break your your negative streak? It's broken my negative streak. I I am positive on this movie. I'm not sure how positive I am yet, but we're about to figure that out, I guess. Uh, what, what grade are you thinking? <sighs> I'm definitely thinking B range. Okay, okay. Uh, MCU, it's bit.ly slash MCU GPA? No, what is it? Bit.ly slash Marvel GPA. Marvel GPA, here we go. Okay, so yeah, I'm just looking at what I've done here. It's, it's in, it's in the B ballpark. I think, I think I'm between B and B plus, honestly. How does this compare to Iron Man 3? <sighs> I think, I, hmm. I think I like this better than Iron Man 3. How does this compare to Thor? I think I like it better than Thor. Oh, how does it compare to The Avengers? That's the one I'm going back and forth on whether I like it better than. Um, How about Venom? It's not better than Venom. Okay, okay. Venom is just too goofy and too fun. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's... it's, I'm trying to figure out if it goes above or below The Avengers. Uh... And now I'm also flashing back to all the less than stellar race stuff we talked about at the top of this, and that 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 does sour me on it a bit. That that's it, it's tough because like I feel like you can't ignore that, but also that's like if you're just looking at the movie as it is, you know what I mean? Like you're that's I don't think you're wrong to evaluate that, but it's it's there in the movie as it is, like. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think I, I'm thinking back in my head. Would I rather rewatch the Avengers or rewatch Doctor Strange? I think I'd rather rewatch Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is better than the Avengers. I think it's better than the Avengers. Wow. I don't know. What 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 are what are you thinking? Because maybe when I hear what you're thinking, that'll that'll change my opinion a bit. I definitely also think about the B range. Okay. I think I think it's not not quite as good as Thor. Yeah, I, it's. I think it's comparable. Yeah, I, it's definitely comparable. The thing that made me put it above Thor is uh, mostly just the visual interest of like the uh, fight scenes. Thor's fight scenes are fine, but like the giant metal man that he fights is kind of whatever. Yeah, def- like yeah, like part of what makes Thor good is that there kind of isn't like the the big fight scene is all about how much Thor sucks. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, Thor doesn't doesn't revel in in war because it is about how war is bad. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And, like, I love the bit in Thor where he just kind of, like, won't fight the big armor man. I just think that, like, visually, it's not as interesting as all the wacky fractal stuff in this movie. Yeah. Because I also I think... Yeah, go ahead. I think Thor Thor's maybe, maybe a little bit tighter of a script. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, it's got the Warriors three in it. Okay, that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's not perfect. I think it's. I think it's maybe a little better script. Yeah, and it's not weighed down by all the race shit. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, um, and as far as Iron Man three, yeah, that's just a really fun movie. It is a fun movie. Yeah, I I like Iron Man three. I think I think I'd probably put this below Iron Man three. Okay. Yeah. And then Venom. Hmm. Get into it now. Yeah. I like Venom. I don't like Venom as I wasn't enamored with it quite as much as you. No, I, I think that's obvious. I have a weird. Uh, uh, I I love Venom more than a person should. I think. <laughs> I'm I'm willing to call this better than the first Avenger. Yeah, I, th- I think it's better than the first Avenger. It's it's very close to Venom. Okay, okay. Hmm. I think, okay, if I am setting aside my love for how stupid Venom is and, like, evaluating it as a, like, a- as a movie, I think this is probably a stronger movie than Venom. Uh, you think so? I think so. Um, I think that the race stuff kind of comes into question and it's like, well, how do you, f- like, how how negatively you feel about that would feel like the deciding factor in that to me. Hmm. I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put this just below Venom, but I'm gonna give it a B. Okay, I, I think that's entirely reasonable. Um, and I'm I'm now coming back to my thoughts about it because yeah, the the shitty stuff with the Ancient One is is really hard to like work through because like on one hand I just legitimately enjoyed this movie in spite of the flaws it has as like a narrative, but on the other hand like indulging in that enjoyment feels like I'm giving them a pass on that. You know what I mean? And I don't want to do that. Like, even if this was my favorite movie flat out that we watched, I would still think it fucking sucks that they couldn't get uh, an actor of, you know, I guess, would it be Tibetan descent to uh, play that role? And it super sucks that they did that because they wanted it to sell in China. Like, fuck them for that. That makes me mad to hear. And it, it's, it's tough to reconcile that with the fact that I enjoyed watching the movie. Think... I'll I will I will put it below the Avengers above Thor. Okay, and I'll I'll also say B. We both gave it a B. We did. We haven't agreed in a while. But now we agreed. AJ has abstained from this ranking. He has not wished to see Doctor Strange. That's fair. It's about wizards, and wizards are dumb. So Doctor Strange has a cumulative GPA of three. Hey, you know, not bad, Doctor Strange. 
That's not going to get you into fact, like Harvard Medical School. But does Harvard have a medical school? I'm going to pretend it does. Anyway. Which, in fact, makes it cumulatively better than The Avengers, worse than Venom and Iron Man 3. Sounds good to me. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, I liked it better than Iron Man 3, but I get why you would put Iron Man 3 over it. Luke, where can people send us questions? Uh, they can send us questions to mcucompleteme at gmail.com. Or they can just follow you on Twitter at Arcane Crystal, and you will yell loudly when you want questions. Yeah, I keep forgetting to do that. Oh, did you not do it this time? I did, but only very recently. We have a bunch of leftover questions from Civil War. Great, okay. That we got after we stopped recording. Cool. Uh, Let's see here. From Queenly Poppy Roo, Queen of Wifes. God, I wish the weird romance between Cap and the relative of my dead World War II GF was not there. But that scene made me kind of just want a road trip comedy with Cap, Bucky, and Sam. Thoughts? Or alternatively, what other different movie ideas did this one make you want to see instead? Well, Crystal... I would be into a road trip movie with Cat, Bucky, and Sam. Yeah, that could be fun. Road trip movies are fun. Um, I'm trying to think of like other kinds of movies. Like, I honestly, I feel like if they did anything that was like not a superhero movie with these characters, that would probably be pretty fun. Um, I'm trying to think of anything specific. I've Civil War has faded from my brain a lot since we recorded that episode. Maybe they they could have like the classic Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman comedy, The Bucket, the list. bucket list. Between which two characters? Uh, Cap would be Jack Nicholson. Okay. And Bucky would be Morgan Freeman. Okay, okay. And what kind of things do you think is on Cap's bucket list? Uh, he... I think it's more like a Bucky list, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. It's more like what kind of things does he want to do with Bucky? So it's just you're you're proposing a two hour long pornography where they just have a bunch of crazy sex acts. Yeah, I think they could get an NC the you know a Deadpool R rated R rated superhero movie. Sure. They're going to one-up that with an NC-17 movie. Great, yep. <laughs> That's just softcore simulated. You don't see penetration. Okay, okay. But, you know, erotic film. All right, great. Well, I think we tapped that question. What's our next one? Evan asks, big letters on screen establishing location. Yay or nay? Oh, we, yeah, that came up on the podcast where I pointed it out as something kind of weird and jarring. And you were like, well, that's a weird nitpick. <laughs> Which, to be fair, it is. But, I don't know, yeah, it's, these movies are all generally very, like, stylistically samey in a way that anytime they have a weird little flourish of style like that, it just feels weird to me. Like, I'm not opposed to that idea, I just wish more of the movie, I wish they got to be expressive beyond just, oh, we made big, big titles. We took the titles, we made them big. Luke, have you seen the recent quote from uh, a director who was approached to direct Wonder Woman? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Was it Wonder Woman or was it Black Widow? Black Widow. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did see this. I meant to bring it up to you and I forgot. So I'm glad you are. And she had some hesitations about taking the project because they were like, don't worry about the action scenes. We'll take care of that. Uh Uh-huh. And also, also her line, which I appreciated, was, I don't like Marvel movies. They're too noisy and you can't tell what's going on and they make my ears hurt. That lady seems cool. I looked her up. I don't know any of her movies. She's, I think she's Argentinian from her Wikipedia page. That might be wrong. That might be completely wrong. Lucrezia Martel. Yes. Um, but I appreciated that quote. It's It sucks that they won't let directors do their own action scenes. Yeah, that part sucks. That whole thing, yeah, jeez. The idea that someone would say, oh, oh, listen, you don't even need to worry about figuring out how to make this movie. We'll make it for you, basically. Just, uh, 
you know, you just make the people do the 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 word mouths, uh, and we'll we'll take care of all the parts people come to see. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Jasmine Marsh asked, uh, Peggy Carter should be Peggy sued and fix it fic the whole Marvelverse. Or just time travel to this timeline and hell. Yo, Steve, why didn't you explain what your boyfriend did while mind controlled to your rich asshole friend? It's a good question. Because <laughs> Tony would get mad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah, I, you know what? Maybe the final season of Peggy Carter. Is that show still going on? No, it was canceled a long time ago. Well, they should bring it back for one final season where she just uh, fixes the entire Marvel Universe so none of the MCU ever happens, and that's how it ends. I'd watch Agent Carter season three. Yeah. The original picture of that show was like, oh, each season's going to be in a different decade. Oh, I see. I thought that sounded very cool. That's kind of neat, yeah. So they got up to, what, the 60s? No, they, they're still in the 40s. Oh, oh, so they only did one season of it. No, they did two. You understand my confusion. <laughs> Right, they, they didn't do the thing that they said. I see. Okay. But yeah, what's what's our next question here? Cameron asks, which team are y'all on? I mean, I, I feel like we did go into that. Uh, I do still, like, not necessarily in the exact way it was happening in the movie. In principle, I definitely agree with, you know, the Tony Stark side, even if they needed to, like, implement it better. I'm all the way Team Steve, baby. Oh, dang. We'll never reconcile this difference. Actually, I want to be on Team Thor. Yeah. And hang out in Australia with Daryl. Just show up at the end of a movie and zap a god machine to life for no fucking reason. Hold on. <laughs> he zapped it to life because he had a vision from the Norns. Yeah, uh-huh. for no fucking reason. Exactly. Well, he had a vision from the Scarlet Witch and he went to the Norns to further explore it. Uh-huh. Right. No fucking reason. Exactly. And then he realized he needed the vision on his side. <laughs> Because only the power of the Mind Stone could defeat Ultron. Priscilla Mav asks, why does everyone think the bad movie is good? That's what I'm trying to figure out, Crystal. Or, it's, yeah. Well, it, you know, it's like it, it explores what if the stuff that Cap's been doing for, like, four movies, with there are actually consequences. Yeah, but it does it in a dumb way. It's dumb about it. It's actually good. <laughs> It's actually good that it's a movie about how Steve loves Bucky so much that he will destroy the rest of his life for I, Bucky. I was thinking about Civil War the other day, and it really just hit me that, like, if you explain to me the concept of that movie, it should be my favorite superhero movie. And I'm mad that it's not. <sighs> it's like Metal Gear Solid V. It's not, well, yeah, I was going to say it's not, though, because that's good, and then I had to stop myself and think if I really wanted to commit to that opinion. I'll say MGSV is good. I think it's good. I'll still. I'll still I think it's good with an asterisk game. next to that word. Okay, that's Metal Gear. Yeah, that's fair. MGS2, the Majora's Mask of Metal Gear. Fuck yeah. I'm just too so good, Crystal. I love that video game. It is, but people are so annoying about it. Yeah. But as someone that's annoying about both of those, though, like, maybe people should just like the good ones instead. And then I don't have to be. Right, they like the good ones like 4 and and V. Sorry, not 5, not um, Peace Walker. I don't think anyone really likes 4, Crystal. I like 4. I like 4. Yeah, but in general, MGS4 is considered to be, like, the bad one, I think sense. Yeah, listen, I'm with you. I like Metal Gear Solid 4 colon Guns of the Patriots. I don't think that's the popular consensus on that game, though. The part where Big Boss shows up. Yeah, it's very good. One becomes nothing because... <laughs> yeah, the part... Zero. His name is Zero. <laughs> right, but the problem is that Zero can turn into one, which turns into 100. <laughs> so he's gonna turn Zero back to nothing. 
as we have this man in the studio record realistic sounds of having his oxygen cut off. Yeah, they just uh, <laughs> smother an old man at the end of that game. And also a little girl learns how to make eggs. Yeah. Listen, I'm with you. That game's great, but I think a lot of people hate it. The part with the Psycho Mantis. Yeah. The ghost. I'd actually... Um, ghost fight. I could have done without that part, honestly. You don't like the ghost fight? It just... It's the big, like, climax of the game, and it just, like, puts the brakes on everything to do some dumb fan service that doesn't make any sense. Molly asks, why won't Tony Stark just go start therapy? That's a great question. Why won't he? Why won't he? I don't, I don't know. You know, he pretended to by getting his friend to sit and listen to him while he kind of did therapy like activities. He uh, basically did therapy on a stage in front of an entire auditorium of MIT students. He did do that. Yeah. Atomic Fudge Cat Girl asks, why is it so bad? It's a great question. I'm, I like how much these people are uh, against you on this one. Hmm. <laughs> Crystal, the entire world is standing against you telling you to move. No, I won't. Uh, <laughs> the famous Captain America line. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. I won't. Bucky. <laughs> what do we got next? Sir, this McDonald's closed an hour ago. <laughs> Crystal, you're going to make me listen to all of these questions and we have a lot to go still. Ashley asks, when will the first gay relationship be portrayed on screen in a Marvel movie and how incidental will it be? Oh, man. Um, I could see it happening soon. I'm trying to think of like what they do with it, though. It's going to be like Infinity War 3 and the, the Thanos is back after they beat him in the next movie. And he's got like a super snap and there'll just be a scene where like Wong holds hands with some dude we've never seen before and gives him a meaningful look in the eye before he disintegrates. That's that's my bet. What do you what do you got? Never. You don't think ever? Never. I don't know, because like like Disney is doing like little shitty perfunctory representation moments and like like Beauty and the Beast has like a two second shot of two men dancing at the end of it. You know, that kind of thing. They cut all the gay ones out of Guardians. Uh, oh, okay. I don't know. I, I, I think it'll probably happen, and it'll probably be dumb, and people will flip out about, like, oh, it's so cool they're doing representation, and like, no, no they're not, though, really. Iceman. Yeah. If if the rumors about the X-Men joining the MCU are true, then yeah, maybe. America Chavez. No idea who that is. Oh, she's from the Utopian Parallel? Oh, okay, well, that explains it. She's Miss America. I see. Sarah Corehealer asks, what were they really fighting about? <sighs> the, well, the the Accords were... Well, Steve Steve wanted to save Bucky, and Tony wanted to not have Pepper break up with him. Yeah. So really, they were just both having relationship drama and acting out against each other because of it. And drag all their friends into it. Yeah. Yep, that's about it. Ellen asks, what grade would you give this movie for its politics alone? Bleh. Civil War's poli- like, so I don't feel like Civil War wasn't as political as some of these movies are. Although, like, even though it's all about, like, a law getting passed, it's a law about- I don't know, what do you think? C-. minus. Yeah, they- I, I feel like it is too incoherent for me to really grade, so that's- that's- you know what, I'm looking at this paper, and I'm just handing it back to the students, saying, you know what, try again. I'll give you an extension if this is what you're gonna give me. You know, if a student handed me this paper, I'd be like, okay- you get you, you got something here. You got something. You got a draft. Yeah. We need to tighten up a few things. We need to edit out all this. What's all this stuff about Captain America? <laughs> I don't know what what this like parable 
what purpose this serves. Uh, yeah. This is a political analysis class. This is this is sophomore year p- college political science. Why did you turn in your uh, comic book fan fiction? <laughs> Great. But you got something here. Yeah. Emily asks, isn't Spidey amazing? I love him. He is my son. I like Spider-Man. I like Tom Holland. He's good. It didn't really need to put him in Civil War. Coulda, coulda cut him out of that movie completely and nothing would have changed. Victor asks, are you aware of the Chris Evans as Golden Retrievers account? I I guess we're about to because he gave us a link to twitter.com slash retrievens. It's a good account. It's, okay, yeah, let's let's see. Oh, I see, yeah, it's just a picture of, of Chris Evans and then a picture of a dog emanating the same energy next to him. Yes. It's, sure, yeah. All right, uh, we just have one more. Noah here, fan of MCU Complete Me, and I wanted to ask, what'd y'all think about the teaser trailer for Avengers Endgame? Uh, what did you think about it? It was a solid teaser trailer. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I liked the the long scene of Tony just sad in space. It was a good little speech he gave. Yeah. I would have maybe liked to see a little more of, like, what is the rest, how does the rest of the world, the universe, react to the snap? Yeah, it would have been nice to see, like... Like, a shot of, like, a city having, like, a mass vigil because every single person lost probably multiple loved ones. Also, they did establish that Thanos killed 50% of all life. Right. Oh, so you're saying, like, the Earth should look super fucked up because he killed, like, trees and animals and stuff. Right, he killed the food. Yeah. Well, he also killed half the people to eat the food, so, you know, the math works out. To, To the same thing. What do you mean? Oh, oh, oh. There's half as many people and half as much food. So his idea that he's preserving resources doesn't really hold up, you're saying. Right. Even even if you take the, like, three layers down of dumbness to even get to Thanos' position, Uh he didn't do the thing good. I'm excited to watch Infinity War. That sounds like it'll be a fun movie to shit on. It sucks. It sounds bad. And there's still also a part of me just waiting to, like, watch it and be the one person who thinks it's a masterpiece. Maybe you will. <laughs> Maybe I will. A lot of people think it's a masterpiece. Do they? I've seen nothing but, like, derision for it. It's very well reviewed. Wow, okay. Anyway, yeah, I think that's uh, gonna about wrap it up for us, right, Crystal? Just one more email. Okay, what do we got? Again, from Noah Lucas. Hey, y'all, love the podcast. I'm honestly just replying from y'all's comments on my first question regarding the Venom movie and the next villain. First off, Luke, quit hating. You know that the red wig rocks. Yeah, it totally does. But since Spider-Man and Venom already have movies and their own story arcs, where, when, and how do the worlds clash? And what would you have Spidey do in the movie to piss off Venom enough to despise him like in the comics? Oh, man. What if if it's just... Okay, okay. opening bit of venom eddie's doing some venom stuff maybe he eats like a mugger in a back alley or something he goes to the convenience store goes to the freezer aisle and is reaching for the last bag of frozen tater tots and then some fucking punk kid grabs the last bag and buys them and that's the beginning of their rivalry that'd be very good (laughs) and then at the end they got to team up to beat carnage together and Spider-Man's just kind of generally, like, creeped out by Eddie and Venom. Spider-Man's too young to be around this crowd. 100%. He's just like, I don't, hmm, hmm, no, should have my aunt here with me. You're the type of stranger I should not be alone with. I, I barely understand what regular sex is. <laughs> I definitely don't understand what alien goose sex is. Right, yeah. No, I think Venom just takes place in, like, 2010. 
Yeah. And he'll meet Spider-Man in like eight years. That's, yeah, I could see that. And yeah, Spider-Man, you know, he, he has his little, his little convenience store that he likes to go to. Yeah. To get sandwiches. Exactly. He, he rudely cuts off Eddie Brock and steals his delicious tater tot sandwich. Right, right. Tater tot and chocolate pastrami. Or maybe, like, Eddie gets, like, a big, gross, like, chili dog with, like, too many toppings on it, because that's how Venom likes it from, like, a street vendor. And he's just, like, about to take a big bite out of it on the street, and then, like, uh, the scorpion and Spider-Man go, like, tumbling through the shot, and Spider-Man just rips it out of his hand to, like, throw at the scorpion's face to, like, blind him temporarily. Oh, I thought you were gonna say there's a close-up shot of the big chili dog going into Eddie's mouth. And then a little web flips onto the screen and slides it to Spider-Man, who eats it as he swings away. <laughs> if Spider-Man just becomes Eddie's tricks rabbit, <laughs> and he's just at home like, oh, I can't wait to have this delicious bowl of Spider-O's. And then just a web shoots in through his window and Spider-Man steals his cereal. Yes, perfect. <laughs> Eddie orders a tater tot pizza, uh-huh. and Spider-Man's job is to deliver it in 30 minutes or it's free. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> but then, as he's delivering it, he has to go stop some crimes. Right. So he's late to the delivery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the pizza is cold, and Venom doesn't like cold pizza. <laughs> no. These are all great ideas. Marvel needs to hire us. That's all the questions we got. All right. Fantastic. Luke, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me online at SSJ Speed Racer on Twitter. Uh, they can find a bunch of shows I do on AudioEntropy.com, like Totally Reprise, Let's Place, uh, Teenagers of Attitude. On weekends, I do a live stream of an RPG that I GM called Silver Pines. Uh, loosely inspired by JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's a fun time. Follow me on Twitter for announcements about it. It'll be fun. Um, if you like Let's Place, we're going to be at PAX South next month, uh, January 20th at 2.30 p.m. in the Cactus Theater, I think. I should look that up once we now that we're starting to get a little closer to it. But, yeah, come see us. Crystal will be there. It'll be good. Uh, what about you, Crystal? Twitter.com slash ArcaneCrystal. Patreon.com slash ArcaneCrystal. Let's Place on AudioEntropy.com. The Book of Medora on AudioEntropy.com. Rake all video games, semicolon Zelda. All right. Would you like to hear a Doctor Strange joke? <sighs> sure. It's, it's, this, this is tough to find one. Yeah, I'll bet. So this is from Bustle.com. Okay. Doctor Strange memes and jokes will make Marvel fans proud by Johnny Brayson. I'm worried, but continue. Number two, a Twitter meme posted by at Epic Geekdom. Okay. First frame, Morpheus. What if I told you you can be a gamer and still have a job, go to school, work out, and have a girlfriend at the same time? Second frame, desperate Doctor Strange. Teach me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> what do you want? Uh, okay. <laughs> like a punchline to the joke. I thought you'd, you'd relate to the, the gamer humor. I, You know, I extremely relate to gamer humor, but yeah, I, I kind of thought that was going to be like... I thought there'd be like a punchline at the end. Hashtag humor, hashtag meme, hashtag Doctor Strange, hashtag Marvel... Hashtag lol, hashtag lamau, hashtag funny, hashtag geek. Well, hashtag we'll see cosplay, you next time, everybody. Nerd, hashtag cosplay. Hashtag gaming, hashtag gaming. Gonna watch, what is it, Guardians of the Galaxy next? <laughs> yeah, the, the best one of those. That's, that's what you say. That's what some other people don't say. We'll see what I think. <laughs> <laughs>
Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>